Friends, welcome to the Great Day Podcast. You made it. You're here with me. I'm your host and friend, Mayor K. Thank you for being here. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Today, I'm very excited to have a powerful, powerful woman and leader. She's an incredible person. I am very fortunate and grateful for that our lives have crossed. Today's guest is Mary Ellen Kramer. She's a senior consultant, an entrepreneur, and a passionate leader. At any given time, she's working on seven to eight projects. It's, it's insane how she does it. And today, actually, we're going to talk about how we can remove the word busy from our vocabulary. She's never busy. She always has time, even though she has so much going on. Since 2013, she had led self-expression and leadership and development programs for more than 450 participants and coaches. And that's actually where we met. And I gained so much from that experience. So get your notebooks out and get ready to learn so much from this powerful, inspiring leader, Mary Ellen Kramer. Here we are, Mary Ellen. I haven't seen you in a few months since we uh, wrapped up our program at, at Landmark. I'm so happy to see you, actually. Yeah. And so it so really was a wonderful thing for you to reach out and contact me. Yeah, I'm well, I, 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 this, I'm making this podcast. I'm, I'm, this po- the point of the podcast is to connect with people who have inspired me, who are people in my life and who I admire, um, who I have common contact with or I've seen from afar, who are just living powerfully, who've, you know, who are living, who are human beings, who are going through the human condition, and yet at the same time, who are just really shining and stepping into their full power and doing incredible things. So I'm really happy that you had the time. I know you're, quote unquote, a busy person, which I know you necessarily do always believe in the word busy, and we'll talk <laughs> about that uh, later on. Um, uh, but before we get there, um, I want this to get some, to share with the people who are listening, the listeners, like, who is Mary Ellen? Like, just take us back. Like, where's your story begin? Okay. Well, first, thanks for asking. Um, I'm a Brooklyn girl, so that's where my my nice. story be- begins in Brooklyn. And um, I was born and raised in Brooklyn. I um, actually went to NYU. NYU was my school. Mm-hmm. Um, I. What'd you major in? I majored in management and computer okay. science. So I was a geek before <laughs> that was even a word. Yeah. It was yeah. I was a, uh, I, I was one of those people that loaded the cards into the into the big computer and then waited for the printouts to come out. Oh my gosh! So that's how it used to look at NYU. That's right, kids. There were massive computers; they didn't fit in your hand uh, as they do today. Yes, right. and I just got this wake-up call this week because I got a forty-year anniversary invitation, a forty-year anniversary NYU. of my graduation from NYU came in the mail this week, and I said, "Oh my, forty years." been 40 years since I'm in school wow yeah it's an amazing thing and uh what what I loved about what they presented was they took the opportunity to say okay we're going to celebrate that it's been 40 years and now what's next for you Mm. and I thought wow they kind of had me at hello this is great (laughs) this is really great like creating we're always creating our life and that's really what I stand for so I love that they were actually focusing and and on that basis I actually uh registered for a, a certificate um, what, what kind of women, women's entrepreneurship. Okay. So, beautiful. like, kind of bringing it back to there. Um, when I graduated from school, I was working in banking and finance, and uh, particularly I was in systems, uh, systems analyst, and kind of creating systems for processing um, different parts of banking. And I did that for a number of years. And then when my children were born, starting in 1985, I said, "Well, you know what? I want something more flexible." 
So I became an entrepreneur then. I became a consultant to banks and brokerage houses and um, you know, got really interested in, in how I could make my life work and have children because I think you know that yeah. I have four children. Incredible. My husband now has four children. So we have eight children together, four grandchildren. And um, you know, I, they're important to me. And you're still with with this family that you still have. You're you're rocking out. You're an entrepreneur. You're running multiple businesses, perhaps, um, and you're accomplishing so much. And you and you and you do volunteering and you run different programs yourself. So that's you have so much on your plate. And yet here you are. You always seem so calm, so collected. Um, and it seems like nothing ever really phases you. Where well, you didn't see me this morning. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> My hair was on fire this morning, but anyway, no, I got I got you're, the world of it. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, like, I, I mean, how do you think? I mean, what uh, what what does it take to to be that? I, I mean, I know for myself, living in New York City, and being surrounded by this uh, culture of like hustle, 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 and I find myself to always be busy. Um, even when I try to schedule myself with different you know planners and executive assistants and such, I'm always feel like I'm always rushing to a certain spot and. Um, yeah, I'm too busy for this, too busy for that. Mayor, you're known to be a busy person. I want to stop that. I want to be in a place of calm and cool, collected. What's, what's, I mean, how, how do you get to that point? Is that, a, is it just taking on less? Is it just not using the word busy? What would you say that, what that is? So first, a really great question. So, you know, the, the two of us have met through Landmark and yes. through the self-expression and leadership program. And I think that really had a profound impact on me being able to take on things that gave me the feeling that my plate got bigger, you know? And how that really works is to, first of all, work with and through others. So right now, at any point in time, you could say I probably got seven or eight projects going on wow. uh, to impact different communities or different, different things in life that are important to me. For example, like what I discovered my life was for is that every person on this planet has a voice and their voice is heard, you know? And, and so I look at, you know, immigrants, I look at people who are in prison or just coming home from prison. You know, I work with people who are refugees, um, Syrian refugees, like all of that is very important to me that these people have a voice and they feel connected to the world and you know, that you they help, belong. How do you help people tap into that voice, find their voice? Uh, well, first of all, listening. I think listening makes a really big difference and being curiously engaged in what's important to them and their dreams and their aspirations. And just being in that conversation, Mary, it has me be present. Like I just get present in that moment. And I want to, you know, I'm with them in their story and what's important to them. And that kind of takes my eyes off myself, which has me be, okay, I'm here and I'm present. And now I'm here and I'm present. And now I'm here and I'm present. But wherever I am, I'm with that person because their voice is important to me. Mm-hmm. So it kind of helps me from feeling like I've got a lot of stuff going on at one point. So it may you, be, but right. I'm with them. Right. Yeah. So wherever you are, you show up and, and, yes. you, and you're listening. Where you don't have find yourself struggling with, and I know for myself that, you know, you may be with somebody. And I actually admire how, while we're talking right now, you, like, you hold eye contact you, and I could tell that you're, you're, you're here with me. Um, though I do find that, you know, when I do have conversations with many people, their eyes, you know, are moving around and they're thinking about the next thing. And right, many people in conversation, I experience that they're waiting to answer, mm-hmm. right? They're waiting to just get what they want to say through without actually listening. Uh, so is that the kind of listening you're talking about? Being yes, it's listening like that is the first level of it, I would say. Okay. But also listening for rather than listening to is like a it's a really important thing that I got actually through the work that we've both done at Landmark, and that is 
you know, I am, I'm listening for people's greatness. I'm listening for what's important to them, where they're inspired, where they are just like elevated and lifted and alive and enlivened by who they are for themselves. That's what I'm really interested in. And so everything that will have them touch that in a conversation is something I'm listening for. So for example, if I hear you say, you know, you're talking about your work and the work that you do, and I've seen some of your videos, yes. which are both funny and inspiring and heartwarming wow. and all of that. You. And you know, when I, when, I, when I talk to you about that, I see that it lights you up. Yeah, I love it. Yes. My passion. Yeah, so that's what I'm, I'm really on that sort of treasure hunt to sure. find out what, what lights a person up in their life, you know, what really inspires them. And then we're in that moment together. You know, when I'm sitting with you, I'm in that moment together sharing that thing that lights you up. And uh, it's, it's um, transformative and it's, it just transports me, you right. know, into their world. So. so once you have that light, so once you've listened and you listened for and you're, and you're connecting with that person, you know, that's a, it's a feeling, it's up and made, it's an idea. How does one or how do you help someone bring it down to actuality, right? We have all these great ideas and I, I forgot who said it. I know I heard it from Les Brown who said the greatest ideas can be found at the graveyard. So how does one who is finds himself being passionate and sometimes even motivated, how does one bring that down to action? Sure. So actually, you hit the nail on the head. It is action, right? So... We actually, you know, in, in the work that I do when I'm working with different communities, I'm always looking for what's going to move this forward. You know, what is the call to action, right? Mm -hmm. And so sometimes, the, as you said, the biggest ideas are not acted on. And I think what makes a difference is to take that big elephant idea and move it down into pieces that people can bite. Right. So, you know, like... If, I, if we deal with a big issue, homelessness, big issue in New York City. Yeah, okay, you know, really as, about that, sure. As you are, and I know you are. Yes, I know yes. you are. I know a lot of your, your videos are addressing that and, yeah. and bringing, bringing homeless people into the community. In the community, awareness, and just bringing back the human dignity and connection between the homeless, the homeless people, the whole people who are experiencing homelessness and the community, yes. Exactly. Yeah. So, and you know, uh, since I've been walking the streets of Manhattan, it's definitely progressed. Sure. There's yeah, more and more and more of that. Yeah. Um, and you see people of all ages and, you know, all situations. So for me, that's a, it's a big issue. Like when you think about it and you talk about it to someone, they could say, well, what could one person do? Yeah. Like, how could I, how can I make an impact on this big problem? And, you know, what I, what I support people in doing is taking a look at well, what would move it forward? What would move a piece of it forward? What could we handle in the next month? What could we handle in the next two months, three months, four months, one year? And really just taking a look at that aspect of it and looking how if we put something in place, it would make a specific and measurable difference for the situation. So if we have 150 people that had no warm winter coat and we collect 100 and coat 150 coats and they now they have coats well we made a difference for those 150 people you know right. does it is it going to get them off the streets no but it makes a difference right now it makes them comfortable and gives them a way to live another day you know more comfortably so that's that's the idea like i'm looking at what we can do that will move it forward and then that one action or that one series of actions 
calls other people into the conversation and they say, wow, you know, we could actually impact this or we could impact that. And they see a way that they could make, bring their piece into it. And then before we know it, it's a rather large conversation, but we didn't start from the large. Right. We started from what we can accomplish today, you know, right. and where we could see that difference being made. So I think that's, that's the focus of it. And when people are inspired to do that thing, so I find that people really want to take that action and make a difference. They don't always know how, but when we give them that bite that they can chew, yes, I can donate a coat or I can donate pajamas to women that are coming home from prison or I can support someone in organizing their home. Sure. You know? So I can, whatever that is, I can, I can make that difference. So then, then I'm empowered because I made that difference and I can make the next difference or speak to other people about it and they will come in. So I think that's it. That's really, you know, making yeah. it small it seems enough. Like, it seems like most people, I mean, and I know I, I've dealt with it in the past where you get, one get, I get overwhelmed. You get overwhelmed by the idea of it all mm -hmm. and not breaking it down to scenarios. I also like the idea of like, oh, what can I do? Or just sort of throwing your hands up in the air. Yes, this will be great if or so or but. And then the excuses are coming in and who can I be? To, you know, who am I to do to make such radical change? However, sometimes there's you know, um, I really love the um, the language that I took away from Landmark was making unreasonable requests, right? Mm -hmm. un, 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 unreasonable demands um, from yourself, from other people, from the world. And I mean, I would love to hear your take on explaining that. But like most people say, you oh, you have to be reasonable. You have to be reasonable. This is the kind of world that we live in. Um, what does it mean to be unreasonable? Okay, that's a really great question, right? So we distinguish, you know, at least what I've seen in, you know, distinguishing this unreasonable request is distinguishing between something that's um, dangerous or not really doable. You know, it's, you could say it's unreasonable to fly out the window. Well, of course, you know what the end of that's going to yeah. be. But mostly you and I are just stopped by the, the reasons we give why someone else wouldn't do something. Mm -hmm. So... Example, if yeah. I want to... I'll say, say, say that one more time for the listeners. Yeah, so yeah. mostly we're stopped from the reasons we give why someone else wouldn't do something. Powerful. So in that respect, I have all these reasons in my head why my boss is not going to give me a raise. So I don't ask. Mm -hmm. I don't make the request. You know, And uh, that's already a ceiling to what's actually possible. But if I say to myself, all right, where am I standing here? I'm standing in the value I produce. I'm standing in my boss's commitment to me. I'm standing in the organization's commitment that my good work is rewarded. And based on all of that, I look and I see, you know, what would be, what would be a powerful request to make that would be inside of all of that, you know, all of that stand. And then I make that request. And I also keep in mind that when I'm making a request, it's not a demand. So I think the really big thing mm -hmm. is that, you know, most of us hear a request as a demand. And most of us make a request that's kind of couched as a demand, right? right? Sure. And which, in fact, there's only two possible outcomes for that, right? If I'm demanding, it's either you're going to be a yes, or you'll no. be backed into a corner, or you're going to disappoint me mm, or true. cause an upset, right? Correct. Whereas if it's a request, you can accept my request, you can decline my request, 
or you can make a counter offer. You can say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm actually not actually going to go and volunteer with you for the entire day on Saturday, but you can have me for two hours. Okay. It's more flexibility. Yes. It's not just, it's not, there's no ultimatum there. Yeah. Exactly. So, so in the space of request, I'm free to make the request because I'm clear I'm not backing you into a corner. I'm leaving you plenty of room. And you, on the other hand, are free to accept, decline, or counter offer. So in the whole conversation, there's nothing about upset. There's nothing about, you can't disappoint me because there are three valid outcomes to this conversation. So you can't disappoint me. And that helps people to kind of dance in the conversation and every conversation brings value and fulfillment. No reason why not. Yeah. Right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. So what, what inspires Mariella? What inspires you? Hmm. Great question. So first, uh, people's courage. People's courage really, really um, inspires me. Like what it takes for a human being in the world we're living in. Um, so much stimulation, you know, from the outside. And some of it's really you know, challenging, extremely challenging. And the world's coming at us fast and furious. And the courage that people have to, to make a difference, to kind of create themselves newly every morning, however that looks, you know? Yeah. And to get up and really, really make a difference in the world and people's commitment to one another. Um, it's always there. Sometimes we have to just have them experience and be acknowledged for it, but it's always there. Mm. And that, that inspires me. Is there a specific person or someone out there that had a profound effect on your life, um, living or dead, that, uh, that moved, touched, or inspired you? Wow, there are many. Yeah. But I would say, um, I think most profoundly are my parents. Two very generous human beings. Mm. Um, and I was raised with a lot of love. And... Uh, yeah, they've been my inspiration my whole life. Beautiful. What kind of girl were you in high school? <laughs> oh, what I'm, a great question. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to know. What like you're question. like this woman now. You're 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 doing amazing things. You're a powerhouse. What before all this? You know, were you like this? Did you have this mindset and attitude back in high school, or was this something you developed later on in your life? Uh, no, it was definitely there. Mm -hmm. I would say um, one of the things that I think had a really big effect on me growing up is um, I went to Catholic school. I went to Catholic school all my all my um, grammar school and my high school. And my high school was a small Catholic school, St. Xavier High School. Actually, Bernie Sanders' wife went to the same high school. All right. Shout yes. out. Yes, shout out. <laughs> and, um, and it was a small school. We had 67 people in our graduating class. Oh, wow. And um, what we got there was that there's nothing a woman can't do. Now, we never had a conversation about gee, we need to bring in a man to do this. And this was, I mean, we're talking about, uh, this, yeah. would you think this was like sort of forward thinking? Was this the kind of conversations that were taking place during that time? Well, you know what? I, To be honest with you, I it didn't occur to me as forward thinking because it was just, just what you were how I was in sure. at the moment, like how I was raised or cultivated or whatever. But I think when I, when I look back on it, when I look back on it, my girls went to the same high school. When I look back on it, I realize... This was an extraordinary conversation, sure. you know, and I feel I feel really blessed to have been so free in my high school that I didn't have to think about whether my makeup was on right or, 
you know, if I was dressed to be attractive to a boy or should I put my hand up when I answered a question about science or computers or whatever. Mm -hmm. No, I was just really free to be myself. And um, I, I gave that gift of education to my, to my girls as well. And they thanked me so many times over for that influence of there's nothing you can't do. Correct. And it's, I mean, I know you've had a massive hand and this is something you're very passionate about, empowering women especially. You had a project about building homes uh, in Africa for a little bit. Were you involved with something like that? Well, it wasn't building homes okay. actually, but thanks for asking. It's yeah. a Women's Centers International. Okay, um, tell me more about Which that. is, yes, it's in, uh, we built a women's center that um, now has five, over 500 women participating in the women's center. And this is in um, the Kariua slums, which are the, it's the largest slum in all of um, Africa. And it's in Nairobi. And, oh, um, Kenya, okay. Yes. And it's, I actually have never been there, but I was, I was very instrumental in starting this project with uh, Susan Burgess Lent, who's actually our executive director, and she was, she was the founder of this organization. And what those women got from going to that women's center was first, a sense of collaboration, support, a listening of them as, as really people that can do anything. And what has come out of it is they've started so many small businesses, whether that business be that they buy a lot of laundry detergent and they sell it into little packets you know, to people to do their laundry, or something larger than that. But they have economic freedom. And what's very important about the work that we did there is for every dollar that's earned by a woman in Africa, the United Nations says that 100% of that dollar goes to the betterment of her family. Mm. Whereas actually, every dollar earned by a man, only 40% of it goes to the betterment of the family. So yeah. the United Nations says if we want to make a difference, yeah. it's women and technology that will make the difference. Yeah, and empowering them and building those infrastructures and those roles, helping yes. them get to that, to that place. Yes. That's really incredible. Thank you. Wow, that's amazing. What initiated, I'm curious to know, what initiated this commitment to self-development and growth? When did that begin for you? Well, I think entrepreneurs are always reinventing ourselves. It's kind of our stock and trade, you know? Well, I, I mean, yeah. I, entrepreneurship, I feel like this day and age also can be translated in so many different ways. I feel like today you go on social media, everybody's an entrepreneur. How do you define entrepreneurship? What's, what makes an entrepreneur? Well, I would, you know, that's a good question. I don't think I've ever been asked that question, but what I would say is that it's from taking something from an idea, from something that you see value in, and actually enrolling and registering other people in that the opportunity of that, whether that be customers, employees, uh, investors, um, suppliers, you know that. People see the value in it, and now they are part of a community bringing this idea to fruition, like fulfilling on the dream of it. And so that started for me back in 1985, and uh, there have been so many opportunities to do that, you know, um, and my husband and I have been in business together since 1998. Really? Uh, yes, we have. You're in business together and your relationship together. How does that work? I mean, that seems like a red flag right there. Uh, it would be yeah, normally, right? right? And let's just say that there are red flags have flown, okay. you know, for sure. <laughs> and um, and generally, what actually, you know, it brings us together. It brings us closer. We are we have constantly been involved in in creating something together, and it energizes our relationship. 
you know, and, and people are energized around us by the relationship, you know, and I, I just count that as such a huge blessing in my life. It must be because I feel like most people who go into business with a loved one, with a partner, usually doesn't last and it it could be really damaging for that relationship. So what kind of boundaries do you set or what kind of, yeah, how do you make that work? Well, I would say that the, um, the advent of Landmark into our, into our lives individually so impacted our business relationship. So that started in 2007. My husband, Zevi, did the Landmark Forum a month before me uh, that summer, and then I did it. And so what we really distinguished was how to see the pattern where things aren't working. You know, as an example, you know, all of us work on assumptions. So an assumption could be, you know, that person, my partner, will understand why I'm doing this thing. Mm-hmm. Or they will, it's clear to them. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be yeah. something obvious, right? Yes. They'll get it. Obvious. It's right. the next action to take. Mm-hmm. And in fact, Far from we truth. can't communicate enough. Like what I've discovered is that there's, you know, and the already always way is to kind of think it to yourself and think that it got out there to the other person. Well, just having a discipline around communication and it's, that's a mountain with no top. I know I'll never get to the top of that mountain, but we have that opportunity daily to really take ground on mm-hmm. communicating and asking and, you know, every day making a little bit less of an assumption about something and just saying, does this work for you? This is what I see. And using that kind of language where people feel engaged, right. you know, and most importantly for partners that they feel like, well, there's an opportunity to talk something out and create something here versus it's done, like, take it or leave it, you know? So I think that that constant pull to, to create something and cause that has, you know, inspired our relationship to get deeper and deeper. My husband's my soulmate, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't know a whole lot of people that can say that, but we've, we've taken the opportunity of working together and just, you know, really counted that as a blessing in developing our relationship. So on the topic of relationships, um, communication is key. Everybody knows that you know, communication is key. It takes hard work, but communication. What are some what some what are some tips? Maybe three tips that people maybe assume that they're communicating across, but they're not really communicating. Like, what are some ways that people can elevate who are in relationships to elevate their communication? Okay, good. Uh, so I would say the first thing is to is to listen more and speak less. Right? to ask more questions and get the answers. And how you get the answers, like how I've been trained now that it works for me, is to kind of recreate what the other person says. So what I heard you say is, it's a skill that is right. so simple and it means so much and it really has you experience that I got your communication. I don't have to agree with it. And I don't have to add to it. I don't have to make it more of what it is. But if I just get it, if I just get your communication, you experience being gotten, then we've, we've come to a place where you can hear what I'm going to say. Otherwise, what's already there is you getting ready. You know, if you've ever been in sales training, if they say, say this, you say this. Like, the, you know, it's the like objections, right? Yeah, say this. And, and actually have that not be that. You know, in any communication, in any conversation, I have no idea what you're going to say. And coming from that, mm. that I have no idea what you're going to say, and I'm really interested, like I'm waiting to be surprised and delighted by what you're saying, that's so not the way human beings listen to one another. 
And that's, you know, I can say that I can, maybe I'll do that like 5% of the time, but it's, it's more than it ever was. So, and I take ground on that every day. So I think that makes a difference. So I would say listen and, and recreate people by just getting their communication. And what you're going to say really is so much less important. What I've discovered, what I'm going to say is so much less important than what I'm going to hear from you and what I'm going to get from you. So I'm really interested all along the way in what you have to say. And the other thing I would say is that it's, I think it's very, very important to look at, look on a daily basis of where I withheld the communication. There was something to say that if I said it, it would make a difference, may make me feel uncomfortable to say it, it may make you feel uncomfortable to hear it, but in general, that's what's gonna bring us closer together. That's gonna really have us be profoundly related versus I'm just gonna keep my mouth shut and hope you know, hope that you got it or hope that it will resolve itself. Going back to the assumptions or thinking, but not, it's not clear to the other person. Not at all. And then when, in clarity, things get very, uh, very disarray and confused. Mm-hmm. Got that. Very cool. That landed. That's great. Okay. <laughs> um, that was, that, yeah, that's really great. So when it comes to, like, so if someone is, feels stuck um, in life right now, if someone feels that, you know, they have ideas and they have too many ideas, perhaps, right? They're being pulled from all sides, maybe a creative type or, or an entrepreneur, right? They have like all these ideas they want to bring to, to, to life. How does one prioritize what to focus their energy on first? Okay, well, the, the short answer to that question is I have no idea, right? <laughs> you would prioritize. But I would say this, like we have an equation in our mind that if I have an idea, bringing it to fruition is something I have to do. Yeah, sure. Like that's the equation. Like I have an idea and I have to bring it to fruition. Well, actually, what I've discovered is it so doesn't have to be me that brings it to fruition. If I have an idea, if I see that something is valuable, I can have a conversation with you and other people and I can say, look, this is what I'm seeing and I think this will make a huge difference. What do you see? And then now you are inside of this idea you're exploring it you're you're looking at you know what would it what would it look like if this thing was brought to life and then you might say well i'm going to take this on or i'm going to take this on or i see this one or you know what i know this guy and we can call him and he's already doing this and now you know he could incorporate this and that would just bring this whole thing to another level so coming back to earlier in our conversation where I have, I said I have about seven or eight projects going on yeah. at any one time in life, at least, um, that's how that looks. You know, I, what, I'm, what I'm looking for is who can I talk to? Who can I share these ideas with? Who can I share something with that they'll, they might be inspired by that and take that on to another level? And all that's needed from me is to, to leave them you know, in action with that thing. Not that I asked them to be in action, but they took it on and move on to the next thing. So you don't shy away from collaboration at all? Absolutely not. Yeah. Absolutely not. And it's the magic. It's the magic is collaboration. We are just so much stronger together. You know, and I've discovered that over and over and over again. And uh, how I think that things could be manifested is only just one way just from what I see right now. 
It has nothing to do with what, what is actually possible when more people get involved and now get underneath this idea and it has a life of its own. So we say that the possibility of this idea, the possibility of this project is now living in the community so much bigger than it lived in my head. Sure. So it's interesting how you, you know, how you, you, you build this like conversation with people like, where it's, it seems like it's less of asking somebody for something rather you're just like sharing with them like, hey, this is what I'm up to, this is my idea, and you're just like enrolling them. Um, that's another landmark term right there. But you're really enrolling them in this possibility to be part of you, partner up with that. But I would say being in this position of entrepreneurship and when you're having all these ideas and projects going on, you must, you must, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you must be coming up to a lot of no's and walls as well. Sure. How do you get by that? How do you get through that and, and keep going without losing momentum? Sure. So first thing um, that has made a difference for me in my training and development and again through Landmark has been really getting that the no has nothing to do with me. Don't take it personal. Yeah, don't take it personally. Like that no is, is a possible response to the request or to the sharing. And from there, there's a yes to something. Yes, this would work or I know this person or whatever. So if I take the long view of whatever I'm up to, this possibility, this idea getting fulfilled in the world, that no is nothing on the way to it. It's just one thing that didn't work on the way to what is working. So So what do you think is stopping people when they get that no? Why do why do you feel like people, you know, lose that momentum? because um, they take it personally. You know, it's a they they hear the no as that person said no to me. I'm no good. I'm not enough. Or the idea is bad. It's that's not good a enough. bad idea, right? right? That's a bad. And that sort idea. of feeds into the dialogue of their already existing self doubt. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And you know what? The first thing to get is we're all wired that way. Mm. With the, the negative thoughts and, and yeah, like that. No, already translates. It goes through the brain instantly as um, something against survival. You know, like we as human beings have a wiring about what survival looks like. And survival looks like yes, 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 yes. And then when we get no, it's like, oh, wait a minute. You know, and the brain doesn't distinguish between lying running at me with his mouth open and no, I'm sorry, I won't do that with you. Looks like exactly the same thing to our brain. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing we can do about that wiring. Wiring will be there until we close our eyes for the final time. but. If we can just distinguish that, oh, that's my brain going to work again on that thing. And if, if I can just acknowledge that that really had nothing to do with me, it's just the person just said no. And the more I practice that, the more power I have over it. It's gonna happen, it'll always happen every single time, but how fast could I short circuit that? That's what I'm interested in. Mm. And the more you practice that and the more you live that, yeah. then that instant comes, but then you're like, wait a second, you pull out, refocus and then you attack again. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean just really it comes from so I got the attack, right? I prefer dancing. Oh, okay. In the conversation, I'm dancing. Like what would what's going to touch, move and inspire you around this project? And it's for me it's a, the conversation is a dance right. to see where we come to, where we're now both a friend once gave this analogy like eating that warm apple pie together. 
you know, we're both enjoying the warm apple pie and we're on the same page and you're inspired and now you're going to take that forward or not. But, you know, we, we had that experience where you were left energized, inspired, enlivened by who you are in the world. I was left that way. And, you know, there's either a yes or a no involved. Sure. Right? Yeah. There's clearing to move forward from that. I'm loving this conversation, Mary Ellen, and this has been incredible. And through the conversation we've been having, the word Landmark has been coming up a lot. And for some of us uh, who are listening, they may know what Landmark is. But for those who don't, um, I'd love for you to share with the audience, what is Landmark and why did you get involved? Sure. So Landmark is a personal training and development organization, a global organization. And How many around the world? How many? Uh... Uh, so what I have understood is more than 50 locations around incredible. the world. Wow. Um, and so for me, I got involved in 2007. I was introduced to Landmark's program by my executive coach. I was leading a global company and I had been coached by this woman for six months and my business closed. It failed actually. And the, uh, the business failed and we and the other investors lost a total of $21 million. Oh, wow. Yes. Okay. And, um, and I, was, I was the CEO of the company. I was devastated. Each of those people that had um, invested their money, I spoke with them. So it was my conversations. And I saw that very much as a personal failure. And you know, I didn't see that I could trust myself again t to run anything, really. Um, so I had that conversation with my coach, that final coaching session we had. And I said to her, look, you know, I just don't know how I can go forward. I want to do something that has no risk because I, I don't want to end up with this outcome again. And she said to me, look, you know, that's a possible thing to do is to go forth and, and create a life where you can't, you're not going to be able to recreate this failure, right? She said, or what you could do is just powerfully complete the past, and just put that past in the future like it has no more power over you. Put the past in the future? I mean, put the past in the past. I okay. apologize. Yeah, yeah, sure, no problem, say. yeah. Put the past in the past. Yeah. And so it has no more power over you and create from nothing, like going forward. And I just, I didn't understand what the heck she was saying, really. It just sounded like a lot of mumbo jumbo to me. Yeah. But I went because I trusted her. And she said to me, in one weekend, you can actually get that past complete and create whatever you want next. Well, doesn't automatically the past already sit in the past? Isn't the past in the past? Like what, what does well, that actually mean? Well, for human beings, really it doesn't. And this is what some of what I've discovered in my work sure. there at Landmark. It's that, you know, the simple example would be you're a child. You're sitting in class. Yeah. Teacher asks you a question, you know, to answer who was the first president of the United States, and you, you wave in your hand, and then you go Lincoln, right? Yeah. And no? and then no, sorry, my life. story, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So and then everyone laughs in class, yeah, about your answer. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to ask you right now, Mayor, what do you say to yourself when everyone's laughing? I'm not smart. I, um, I I close up. I, I feel insecure. I don't raise my hand as often. I mean, it's yeah, absolutely. So you just said it right then. You just said. I'm not going to raise my hand as often. Hmm. So in your brain, remember we were talking about survival. Right. Say, not putting myself in that position again. Unless I'm 1,000% sure of the answer, and even then, I may not answer. Right. Okay? So that's, that's us as human beings. We're animals. 
you know, that path was dangerous. I'm not going there again. So we are wired that way. But you can see that as you get older, just having those conversations, something happens and you go, not doing that again, not having my heart broken that way, not, 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 not. You know, there's just so many knots that in the end, what's actually available to you is kind of a small life, you know, like a, a life that is only bounded by trying not to do the same things again. You know, and in fact, by doing that, we are recreating the same situation over and over and over again. It has a lot of power over us. Mm -hmm. So what is possible in the first course of the Landmark Forum is to have that past. So for you, how did, I, how did I take place? Yeah, this? so the first, I'm going to tell you like what yeah. happened with this, the situation of the $21 million. Yeah. So it was the Saturday of the Landmark Forum. And I really got... The forum is over three days, Friday, Saturday, Friday, Sunday. Saturday and Sunday, and Tuesday evening. Yes. So I really got on Saturday that the fear that I had of what could happen, well, that thing that I said could happen had already happened. And I didn't have to give it power over me mm -hmm. going forward. So I was able to, on Monday, I called every investor and you've been avoiding them, I'm sure. Oh, damn. Just, Absolutely yeah. <laughs> avoiding them, right? And I really just wanted to like go away and not ever have to talk to anyone again. But I, I proactively called them, and I took responsibility for everything that I did that was not effective as a manager. All the times I hadn't listened to people, all the times I knew things without asking or consulting. And the last person I called, and people were great about it, really. They were wonderful. It was... Like I took responsibility as a privilege, not as a blame. Mm -hmm. And they were great about it. And the final call that I made was to my largest customer who had lost $450,000 just in the last week. <sighs> he sent us money and it went into that big hole. Okay. And I was able to call him and take responsibility. And he was, there was just silence on the end of, end of the phone. Wow. His name was John. He was yeah. not expecting that. He said to me, wow. Like I just didn't think that you had the guts to say that. Mm -hmm. He said, so I'm just kind of blown away. You know, and in that conversation, like I acknowledged all that he had really wanted to contribute to me that I deflected because I knew what was better. And in that conversation, at the end of the conversation, he said, let's restart this business together. Oh my gosh, And wow. he put, he wired $3 million. Incredible, wow. So you just create, you, by showing up, by facing that fear, you you really created a whole new reality, which you a never wouldn't have otherwise. A whole new reality. That's insane. And I, I I could I, I could definitely um, back that up. I mean I I met so we met through you know through the landmark program and I had um, was going through I didn't lose you know twenty million twenty million dollars um, but I did was going through my own struggles in the sense of just being in a very dark place mentally. I was depressed and very confused. Not so much clarity. Not in great communication with my family. Um, close and, 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 and far, and even with friends, I was losing touch. And um, I was at Wits End, I was just burnt out with therapists and such, and I heard about Landmark, a friend of mine mentioned it to me, I went for the weekend, and it opened up so many doors um, for me over that weekend, over that forum, which made me want to go back for the advance and uh, through the SELP, the Self-Expression and Leadership Program, which we met through, and it was really, has I've grown a lot through the program, um, where it just opened, just my mind, my mind to different perspectives, um, a really big one, which was integrity, responsibility, integrity, and the language is how they use responsibility, 
I'm sorry, integrity is just so clear and so rings so true. Um, I found it annoying, and they're so obsessed when it comes to the timing, and right, and we, um, where we would we'd literally come back, uh, we'd have a break between the different you know, different talks and, and exercises, and we'd come back, and we'd be waiting around till the first, last person to come into the room, and it'll be let's say five minutes later, maybe six minutes later, or maybe ten minutes late, and the and the leader would not you know would not move on, and we would sit on for another thirty minutes after the last person c- came, discussing about you know why we were late and what that all meant. And it really boggled my mind, like, why are we wasting our time? We have to get through this program. You know, we, we signed up. We have, you know, I know it's going to be over tonight at 9 p.m. Like, and, you know, through that, obviously, realizing coming in, in what was expressed was that it's, you know, integrity. When we said we'd come back at a certain time, we said that we gave our word to it, right? We said we'd come back at 3.45. If we come back at 3.46, is there really much of a difference between, you know, coming late by one minute or 10 minutes. No, you're late. You didn't show up. And now what can be done in that situation, I learned, was to take responsibility. A, of course, to prepare myself to come on time. And the case which that does not happen is, of course, to also take responsibility of not make excuses. It's the subway, the phone call, the coffee was too hot, I burnt my tongue. Those are all excuses, right? To take responsibility um, of the situation. And that was just one lesson I learned from just becoming to coming on time. Um, so I realized through my relationships with people and the communications I was having was like I was just a lot of avoidance, a lot of pushing responsibility on other people, not showing up in my own life. So it was a really, it was really, really transformative, I would say, which for me, um, going through through the through the program and really opened up a lot of doors. And I've been really since then committed to um, self development and just working on myself. And I, I've been seeing some um, really great changes throughout throughout the life, my life. Um, um, how, but how, anything to add around that? <laughs> well, yeah. well, I, there's not much to add because it's <laughs> yeah. just perfectly captured in what you said. But I would think one distinction to make here okay. is that, you know, kind of how we think about integrity is that it's morality or ethics or good or bad or right or wrong, you know, and that the, the, the distinction integrity at Landmark is really just the state of being whole and complete, you know, and relating to that as the platform for workability like Mm -hmm. how things have an opportunity to work if we're all there on time or if if we've done the homework or 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 right and that's just and that's only training for your life really sure you know if you if you arrived to this interview three hours late we wouldn't have the opportunity you know that we have now because you arrived more than on time you were early you were in communication all of that makes a really big difference in life, and we don't always operate that way. So, right. yeah. So we've gotten trained in that, haven't yes, we? I, yes, absolutely. I, yeah. I was one, I would come late to everything and rushing, and when I show up, I'd be full of anxiety. And while I was going there, I was full of anxiety. Not just that, while I was coming late and being anxious, I would build these stories around, you know, the person, how upset they would be, and this, and, and like, it was just... This ruined my day, my my mindset, and everything. And so, hundred percent. I mean, thank you for bringing. That's a really cool example. But uh, yeah, it's something to be proud about and about coming on time and how it just really, even something something it seems so insignificant and small, has such a massive effect throughout one's own my own you know peace of mind and uh, and just workability throughout the day and, and connecting with people. So, that's been really incredible. Um, and. I mean, even, um, so yeah, the programs have been really incredible, but what, what sort of, I would say maybe bothers me, um, I do keep my, an open mind, and of course everybody has their journey, but when, I know when people go online line and they look up, I share a landmark with some people, um, 
they search on Google as, as anybody would, and they, there's a lot of some negativity that goes around that. There's words like cult, and um, and people have certain you know negative experiences um, around that. What do you? I mean, through your experience, what do you think that comes from? What do you think that lies? And how, what would you tell tell people about you know the program and how it, how how it affected you? And what would you like to share from that? Sure. So, um, in reference to what's online and what might be negative there. Um, what I know is that the, the biggest voices saying the word cult are people who never did the program. Mm-hmm. And they actually showed up. No, they were never there. So that, you know, for me, once I realized that, I kind of discounted all of that. But I, I'll tell you from my own personal experience, and I know for yours, this program actually helped me get connected to the people in my life. And the biggest example for me, and this is morning one of the landmark forum for me, Friday morning, is my son. So my son was 14 years old when um, his father and I got divorced. He went to live with his dad. And eight years went by very, very quickly um, where I considered him to be dangerous. He made that choice right after that. He you know, got in trouble with the law, he started using drugs, he dropped out of school, all of those things happening. And for those eight years, our relationship was extremely distant. But in my mind, it was handled. Mm-hmm. Like he was not causing trouble, thank you very much. So we had this kind of worked out. But I was not able to be with the pain of missing my child. It was not in my life. And the Landmark Forum had me, morning one, recognize that that's not what I'm committed to. First, to see it for what it was. That it was me not being able to be with him making the choice to go with his dad and then taking actions that had him leave home and had him feel not included, right? And not like a blame, but some place to stand. So now we are so profoundly connected. In fact, he came back after he did the Landmark Forum a couple of weeks after I did it. He came back to live with me oh, wow. as a 22-year-old, huh. you know, and lived with us for, for seven years. So the, the idea here is Landmark brings us closer to the people in our lives. They certainly, only the first thing that we're addressing is a relationship with our parents. Sure. So fundamental to our happiness. To the core, yeah, mm-hmm. to the core of it all, absolutely. Yeah. So why do you think people get so turned off when they, I mean, I know there's a, a really strong pitch around it and... People get like, oh, they're trying to sell me something. Um, I mean, I, I think for one, I mean, I, I, I you know, I, I go to the doctor, I go to the gym, it brings me wellness, it gives me physical health, you know, it's part of, so I don't, I mean, I pay a premium, I pay a fee for that. Um, why do you think people get so turned off by the pitch, by the sale sale of, of, of Landmark? Well, I would say, first of all, um, it's a very interesting question that you've asked here. Landmark doesn't advertise. Hmm, interesting. They and don't we don't have salespeople, oh, yeah. and it's not, it's not, it's not a, they're not advertising. So all the conversation is by people like you mm. sharing with someone else and really seeing that there's something that you see for that person and, and you invite them to come just like you would if you invited me to a very fine restaurant. You know, like you've never had pizza like this, you have to come, whatever. So, you know, that's, that's the thing. So if you think about it that way, there's a lot of people just sharing something and really having something at stake for the other person, and sometimes we mess it up. Got it. Yeah. Nice. So uh, what's a, a project now that you're working on that you're passionate about, that you're excited mm-hmm. to share with us? Okay, well, 
two. Two, of course, of course. (laughs) Two projects that I'm excited about. So in the world of nonprofit, in the world of nonprofit, I'm... uh, I do a lot of work with people who are in prison and people who are coming home from prison. And my commitment is that people have a successful reentry, they have a successful inclusion back into society and they're, they're experiencing themselves as people who can make a contribution and that that contribution is valued and they feel included. So on that basis, we um, have a number of 16 and 17 year olds that have uh, come off Rikers Island recently. They were moved in October. um, And they are people being held waiting for their their trial um, or they're serving a very short sentence. And um, what's predictable with them is many people are dropouts from from high school. About 80% of them are dropouts from high school. So what's the future that they're living into? It's not really a great rosy future. So we, um, an organization, Network Support Services, that I'm board chair of, we are actually um, engaged in working with Cornell University on bringing urban farming to the two juvenile detention facilities where they're being housed, one in the Bronx and one in Brooklyn. Wow, amazing. And that urban farming includes regular farming. It includes hydroponic farming, you know, learning to farm without soil, which is our future on this planet, and also raising animals. So we're looking at either chickens or rabbits and having them be able to bring that conversation to their families, right? Wow. So that's, that's the, the first thing. And the second thing is our business, actually. We mm-hmm. are now producing um, infrared cameras that will have people driving it down the dark road at night be able to see four times further than their headlights. Wow. And um, that's a project that our, you know, my husband and I are, as I said, entrepreneurs. This is our current project, and it's called Night Ride. Night ride. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Mary Ellen, you have such a, I mean, a person I could say you've had an incredible effect in my life, um, helped me and guided me, and really love all that you shared today. And, it's, and just like through your actions of the projects that you're involved with, you really are truly a stand for people who um, who don't have a voice or who, who have lost their voice, help to find the voice, really stand for that and help them, you know, bring it back on, on with a megaphone and share it with the world. So thank you so much for you know, sharing with us and taking the time to be with us today and much success in all that you're doing. Thank you. My privilege, Mayor. Thank yeah, you. Thank you thank so you. much. Okay. Ah, another podcast. Thank you so, so much, Mary Ellen, for sharing your wisdom and your power with us. Really, really incredible. And you could check out all the incredible work that Mary Ellen is up to. She can be found on LinkedIn as well. And of course, thank you, our listeners. Thank you so, so much for being here and listening. Thank you for your support and love. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and, of course, leave your feedback. I would love to hear from you. And you can go check us out online. You can see this podcast on YouTube, on my YouTube channel, Mayor K. Go check it out. And, of course, there's so many other types of videos up there as well. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And until the next one, keep smiling, stay positive, be happy. I'm Mayor K, and have a great day.